Hello, Misfits. This is Kate. And this is Matt. And we are coming at you for take two. Take two. Of the Haunted Fister Hotel in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, baby. Yep, I'm a little freaked out. Uh, so This is take two. We just recorded all mm-hmm. of this that we're about to tell you again. Did an elaborate sound check. Elaborate. We double checked and triple checked everything. It was all good. And then we ended the recording and there was nothing from my mic. Nothing. And his mic is on. His sound is is going. And it only recorded one side of our conversation. So I guess we know who the ghosts like in this room. Looks like it. Not me. (laughs) Not me. Um so welcome to Horrorwood, everybody. So we're just going to, we're going to go over We're just going to do it again. Yeah. We're just going to do it again. It's going to be great. So some friends of ours invited us to go to a baseball game in Milwaukee to see the Brewers. Um, I am not a Brewers fan, if if you know me, but at all, I am a Cubs (laughs) fan. And... But... Worth noting, the stadium is gorgeous. It is a it, beautiful facility. I will say that is one of the most beautiful ballparks I've ever seen. So they've yeah. done a really excellent job. And honestly, like I love Wrigley Field for all that it is. But even with the renovations, it does mm-hmm. not. I, I, I almost hate to even say this on air, so maybe I yeah. won't. But I'm just going to say, I'm just going to leave it with the Brewers ballpark. Fucking beautiful. It's very nice. It's it's like a great mall with a statue of Bob Euchre. Okay, um, so so Matt's like, hey, babe, do you want to go up to Milwaukee and stay in a hotel that is supposed to be really haunted and we could do an episode from there? And I was like, this is why we're together. Uh-huh. You were, so you were into it. I was into it. But then I had to quickly look and make sure that there was like, a Hollywood connection and celebrity <laughs> yeah. connection. Cause I was like, if there's nothing yeah. connected to that, but don't worry, there mm, is, there is. So we're in our hotel room night right now. We checked in, uh, maybe like, let's see, it's, like we checked about an hour ago. Yeah, cause 830? yeah. Well, it's, Oh, when we checked in. Yeah. yeah. Cause right now it's like 10. I will say we walked in. It's gorgeous. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to try to give you some descriptions of like the hotel and, just how beautiful and this is and especially I mean it's beautiful now so when you think about back in the 1800s when it was built like this was fucking like the bee's knees um I'm tired because 10 o'clock is my bedtime (laughs) so I don't I hope that I'm like on it tonight but um I I will say so I didn't get any creepy vibes walking in I was just like oh it's an old hotel Mm -hmm. it's beautiful but then we got on the elevator <laughs> to come up to our room. And I had some feelings about the elevator. <laughs> it's poorly lit. Let's start with the fact that it is a poorly lit elevator. And it's carpeted. Oh, you don't like a carpeted elevator. Mm, yeah. No. It, well, and it was also shaking as it yeah, brought older, us up to the sixth floor. It's an older uh, an older device. But you know what? That might have been the elevator that Elvis was on. Mm, We're going to yeah. talk about him. We're going to talk about Elvis. So we're staying in the older part of the hotel. Years ago, there were renovations that added a 23-story guest room tower that's a lot more modern. But Matt said, hey, babe, I got us a room in the historical part because I thought that's probably where it's the most haunted. He's a real one, y'all. Like, <laughs> this guy here. I was like, yes, I let's make out. So, no, I didn't say that. Uh, so I'm going to talk about the hotel's history. I'm going to tell you about some celebrity ghost encounters. And then I think we're going to go do some exploring on yeah. our own. Does yeah. that sound good? That sounds great. All right. And, of course, we'll report back with anything that we find. So in October of 2022, 
Thrillist named the Fister as the most haunted place in the state of Wisconsin. Not just the most haunted hotel, the most haunted place. Yeah, next level. And last summer, Expedia named the Fister as one of the top five most haunted hotels in the country. There were I haven't stated any of the others. I can't remember what the other four were on mm-hmm. that list, but well, one has to be that hotel in Boston that we. You toured. know, I don't think that was really? on there. Yeah, because that that hotel I forget the name of it. I um, want to say Parker House. Maybe Parker House. Uh, John Wilkes Booth stayed there the night before he assassinated Lincoln. Um, and yeah, there's there's yeah. Lots, I remember a little bit. There's about lots that. of famous things that happened there, but um, but I don't think that was on this on this oh, particular list. I'm sure it's on a lot of lists, but uh, so some of the things that people have complained about here that there really hasn't been an explanation for is strange knocking and banging noises, electronics turning on and off, belongings being moved. Just like random shit you put somewhere and then you wake up the next morning and it's somewhere else. So that's fucking weird. Um, And some even claim to see apparitions. The Fister Hotel was the brainchild of a guy named Guido. Matt, would you like to do your sidebar here? Uh, Because you love a sidebar. Sidebar, Guido Fister is just an A-plus name. It is. Guido Fister. He immigrated from Germany to Milwaukee. Chef's kiss to your parents. Back in the 1800s, he opened his own tannery business, which was one of the largest leather goods distributors in the Midwest. I'm going to just double check that we are still good. Can you say some more things? I'm going to say some more things. Um, Great. Okay, it's good. I don't think it was even just the Midwest. I think it was the country. Like they, They were a big deal from what I know about. Guido Fister. <laughs> oh, what else do you know? Well, about that's Guido all I, know. I I read some stuff on the way in. And, oh, okay. And saw that uh, they they were like the largest tannery outfit in the country for a, a spell. I mean, he knew what he was doing. With a good sense of business and leadership under his belt, Guido dreamed of creating a magnificent hotel that would attract people from all over the country. A palace for the people, he called it. So in 1871, he bought a plot of land on the corner of Wisconsin and Jefferson Streets for the price of $200, which would be about $5,000 today. After he purchased the land, tons of people were banging down his store wanting to develop it. But Guido was like, no, no, I bought it. I'm going to develop it. But he didn't get started right away. He still had his tannery business and ended up partnering up with another German immigrant, his cousin, Frederick Vogel. Mm -hmm. So the two of them were focused on their leather goods company while the plot of land remained vacant. Then in the early morning hours of January 1883, a fire ripped through Milwaukee's original hotel, the Newhall House. At the time, the Newhall House had been one of the tallest buildings in the nation. It was six stories. (laughs) I was going to say, how tall was it? Six stories. Six stories. Six stories. But one of the tallest in the nation, the fire rose up through the elevator shaft. And because it was the middle of the night, most of the guests were sleeping at the time. So unfortunately, there were a lot of fatalities. Mm. When the new hall house burned, Guido's desire to create a grand hotel grew stronger. And he thought, you know, I think this might be the time. It still took a few years. In 1888, he began drawing up plans for the hotel, but sadly, he passed away just a few months later in 1889. Guido's children were determined to see their father's dream come to fruition. His son, Charles, daughter Louise, along with a group of businessmen, got together to complete Guido's mission. Well done. Well done, kiddos. Most sources don't even mention Louise. In fact, I think I only saw her name mentioned once because she was a woman in the 1800s. They were like, no, she didn't do anything. (laughs) But in this little mini documentary I watched called The Fister, History and Story, they state that Louise was, in fact, a part of the process. This group wanted to ensure the city got its grand hotel after the Newhall house had burned. And they wanted it to be even grander than the Newhall had been. So not only did they make Guido's dream a reality, but they expanded it, more than doubling the budget. They spent between one and one and a half million dollars to build the hotel back then. Yeah, wow, that has to be 
which today is equivalent to around $50 million. You don't have to pretend that this is the first time you're hearing all of this. (laughs) I forgot what the sum was, kind of. Okay. But I wanted to set you up because it's an enormous amount of money. It's a lot of fucking money. It's a lot of money. On May 1st, 1893, the Fister opened its doors. It had eight stories compared to New Hall 6. So... Killing the game. Talk about a skyscraper. <laughs> At the time, the architecture was described as modern, blah blah blah, modernized Romanesque. It was very lavish. It had its own barber shop, soda fountain, drugstore. There was a gentleman's lounge because sexism in the 1800s, as well as two billiards lounges, one for men and one for women. The features of the hotel were truly groundbreaking for its time. Number one. It was built to be fireproof and was the only fireproof hotel in the city. What makes a hotel fireproof? Is it the building materials? I, Is it Yes, because I okay. think a lot of the buildings before this um, had been framed in wood and there was like and so sure. that's gonna yeah. burn real fast. And so they were able to use other things. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Did you see my brain just yeah. like you have my, trouble making words. My whole face uh-huh. shut down. It's 10.07 p.m. Yeah, so this I'm is past Kate's bedtime, people. So far past Way it. past. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so This is the time where I'm usually putting Frankie in her cage. Yeah. Not her cage, her little house. Yeah, her little uh, house. And, and <laughs> Kate's usually already in bed. Yeah, I'm like, good night. Night, yeah. night, everyone. Um, in addition to it being fireproof, it also had electricity throughout, which was unheard of at the time there were ornate chandeliers everywhere there still are and there were no gas fixtures that was mind-blowing so for people to be able to walk in not only is it a very lavish and looks this is hard (laughs) luxurious hotel you got it thank you um but to not see any gas fixtures that was very new and exciting for people at the time. It was like, oh, this is like a a new thing. Also, each guest room had its own thermostat. And this was Milwaukee's signature stamp on the building because this type of thermostat, where you have multiple rooms in a large building and you want to control the temperature of those rooms individually, that was all the invention of Warren Johnson. Johnson grew up in Wisconsin and in 1885, established the Johnson Electric Service Company in Milwaukee. He'd only invented this type of thermostat a few years prior to the Fister Hotel opening. He invented it in the 1880s. So this was brand new technology. And his company eventually became Johnson Controls. Johnson Controls. Which is huge. It's everywhere. Nailed it. We used to have that. We used to use that. The hotel's opening was a huge event. Swarms of people attended an original musical score had been written just for the occasion. Wow. And as people entered, they were greeted by two huge bronze lions that had been a gift from fellow businessman T.A. Chapman, who bought the lions from Rome. They're still there. Uh, I, the, didn't, I didn't see them. I'll point them out to okay. you when we do we'll our little tour. Uh, the lions' names are Dick and Harry, in case you're wondering. I, Keep it together, Matt. <laughs> I mean, you got to say them in that order. Or... Or you've got real trouble. We're going to move on. (laughs) The ceiling of the lobby was all glass and was four stories high. It has since been uh, renovated and now it's painted. I'll try to take a picture of that and see if I can get the essence of it for you. Uh, There are marble columns, chandeliers, marble flooring, a grand staircase, and a priceless art collection. Charles Pfister was an avid art collector and displayed pieces from his own collection throughout the hotel. And in the lower level of the hotel, there were Turkish baths. Turkish baths. Which you just don't see at hotels. Yeah. Uh, the city of Milwaukee was beaming they with pride and awe. They loved Turkish baths. <laughs> we might have to edit that part out. <laughs> the city of the people of Milwaukee, all they really wanted were more Turkish baths. So... For this grand opening, the city of Milwaukee was beaming with pride and awe. The Pfister Hotel was truly a marvel to behold. 
But just four days after the opening, the stock market crashed. The country experienced the worst depression it had ever seen. The hotel struggled to make a profit. The Fisters had put so much money into the hotel, and now no one could afford to travel, much less stay in a luxurious place. But they were determined to keep the dream alive. Charles Fister was very active in the Wisconsin Republican Party. He essentially ran the state party for more than 20 years. And in 1894, so the year after the hotel opened, they hosted a massive Republican delegate delegate convention here, which filled the hotel to capacity. This convention established the Fister as the place for big events, and it became known as a place where dignitaries visiting the city could come and stay. In 1899, President McKinley and his family stayed at the hotel for an event, and since then, every single U.S. president has been a guest here. That's impressive. You can say your McKinley fact if you would like to. I mean, I don't know that it's that big of a fact, but, you know, that was that was a very weird election. And McKinley was chosen uh, as a candidate in a very random process. And part of what factored in was he was very handsome, or at least by by uh, traditional standards of the time, he was very handsome, tall, uh, dark features. And everybody thought that uh, he would win. They were like, he's it. He's the guy. He'll he'll win because he's pretty. I saw a picture of him and I I didn't feel anything. Okay. Okay. The hotel's notoriety earned its earned it the nickname Grand Hotel of the West and became a popular vacation destination for travelers. And just to go back to the U.S. president thing, I don't believe Trump has stayed here, even though I don't even like to say his name. But forty-five, uh, forty-five. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the last president was Obama. That was listed mm-hmm. just in this documentary, but it hasn't yeah. been. I mean, this documentary was made five years ago or ten years ago. So the. The nickname of the hotel is Grand Hotel of the West, and it was popping. Charles Pfister actually lived in the hotel for several years so that he could personally oversee the hotel's operations, which I can't blame him because if he had a room like we have now, then I get it because we're in a fucking lavish room right now. Yeah, we got a free upgrade, y'all. And I don't even know why. They were just like, oh, yeah. hey, you got an upgrade. We're this like, is okay. the biggest hotel room I've ever been in. It's insane. Bigger I took a little Vegas. video. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we... I've stayed in some big rooms in Vegas, but this is way bigger. It's crazy. The bathroom, it's like fucking all marble and huge. And there's a TV in there. I just have a lot of feelings about it. It's It's pretty great. It's large. The hotel went through several renovations throughout the years. Those Turkish baths are no longer there. I'm so sorry to tell you. So sad. In 1927, Charles unfortunately suffered a paralytic stroke, so he turned over the keys to Ray Smith. And later that year, Charles passed away. Ray Smith was Charles' protege. He'd worked at the hotel since 1896, so almost since it had opened. He started out as a bellboy, and now he'd worked his way up to hotel manager. The hotel stayed in Ray's family for more than 20 years. And in the 1950s, he sold it. It changed hands multiple times, um, mostly through out-of-state investors who just really didn't take care of it. Mm -hmm. They didn't live in Milwaukee or even Wisconsin, so they kind of just let it fall by the wayside. And unfortunately, the hotel went bankrupt and was set to be demolished. That is until 1962, when a Milwaukee businessman by the name of Ben Marcus purchased the hotel out of bankruptcy and worked to restore it to its former glory. The art collection within the hotel, it was still there, and it was valued at more than what the hotel was worth at the time. I mean, the art is still here, and I believe it's the seventh floor, so we'll check that out too, because I think there's a lot more there. I mean, it's all through the lobby. Um, But Ben Marcus and his family, they were ready to get to work. This is where the addition of the tower came in. It was designed to marry the old with the new, and at the time... I'm sorry. And at the top of the tower was what was known as the Crown Room, which quickly became the city's most popular nightclub. It featured some of the biggest acts of the day, including comedian Joan Rivers, comedian and musician Henny Youngman, actor singer Frankie Avalon, just to name a few. Rosemary Steinfest was named general manager, becoming one of the first female general managers in the country. 
and the hotel was accepted for membership into the highly coveted preferred hotels and resorts. Be cool. So good job, Fister. While Steinfest was GM, the Fister became the home to every major league baseball team. Any visiting team that was in town to play the Brewers was put up at the Fister. And even some Brewers players who didn't have a permanent residence in Milwaukee would stay at the hotel during home games. We're going to talk a lot more. Well, not a lot more, but there are several MLB ghost stories. Mm. Uh, so, we'll, so we'll go over a couple of those. The hotel was has hosted many celebrities and rock stars, including Elvis Presley. Rosemary Steinfest shared a great anecdote about Elvis. She said it was like the president was in town when he came to perform in the city. There were constant updates. He's 10 minutes away. He's five minutes away. She had spent a week planning for his visit because he was going to be staying here. So his limo pulls up. He gets out. He's dressed all in black. He's got a drink in his hand. And she took him up to the elevator. They were supposed to get off at the fourth floor, but she knew that there were a lot of press waiting at the Mm -hmm. fourth floor. So she took him up to the sixth (gasps) floor. That's where we are. Where we are. Elvis was on this floor, you guys. He might have been in that same elevator oh that we my were. Gosh. Oh I wonder my gosh. I wonder if it was shaky for him too. Oh I wonder goodness. if it freaked him out. So they get up to the sixth floor and he goes to head down to his room and he turns to her and he says, Thanks a lot, baby. And she said that one of his requirements, I guess you could call it, was that he had to have a certain kind of bacon flown in that had to be cooking at all all times while he was in the building this is insane this is this is a short film i want to make a short film <laughs> about the, the cooks that were required to have this bacon like you're on elvis bacon duty. yeah on the grill 24 7 what bacon is so special that it has to be flown in yeah must be some real some real quality bacon can you imagine getting that request as a hotel manager that's like yes we need you to pick up the elvis bacon from the airport it's like it's in at three o'clock and then we need you to keep just one strip (laughs) going keep it going yeah just (laughs) constant unfortunately just four months after his stay at the fister elvis presley would be dead the hotel went through more renovations the following years making updates to the guest rooms They updated the electrical wiring, the plumbing and heating and air conditioning, and it was listed on the National Register of Historic Places. So they're just like Mm -hmm. coming up and up and up. So that's just some history for you, just so you can have a sense of where we are here. Yeah. So now let's talk about the hauntings. Oh. What makes the Fister Hotel so haunted? Well, according to a guy named Charles Sevier, not to be confused with Charles Fister. Yes, different Charles. He's pretty sure he knows, or at least he did back in the 1800s when he was living his life. Charles Sevier was interviewed quite a lot back in his day. Local newspapers were always reaching out to him to share his stories on Milwaukee's history because he was known as, quote, the first white boy born in Milwaukee. Isn't that so fucked up? (laughs) That's so dumb. It's like, oh, a white male, praise be. It was such a big deal then that a plaque was created in his honor. I will post a pic. I found, uh, it's not a picture of the plaque, but it uh, is from the newspaper article. So they have a picture in there. It's ridiculous. The plaque was placed on the storefront that sits on the site where Sevier was born. And it says, quote, birthplace of milwaukee's first white boy charles milwaukee sevier oh lord because yes his middle name was milwaukee Milwaukee, of course because his parents were like let's make sure everyone knows that he was the first (laughs) white boy we'll give him the name of the city but when another man daniel allender claimed he was actually the first white boy born in milwaukee Sivier jumped on a train and traveled to meet him to see if this guy had any proof. He was like, what? Some other guy thinks he was the first (laughs) white boy born in Milwaukee? So in an article from the, this was in the newspaper, in an article from the Milwaukee Sentinel dated May 16th, 1909, it states, quote, 
After carefully weighing all statements of Mr. Allender, Mr. Sivier finds nothing which disproves his claim that Mr. Sivier was the first white boy born in Milwaukee. Oh, nothing like a white boy battle. When he came into the world on May 4th, 1836. White guys. White White guys, guys, am I right? White guys. All this to say... People were really interested in what Sevier had to say about Milwaukee. So when the Fister broke ground for the new hotel, Sevier was interviewed by the paper. And he stated that he had once lived in a log cabin that was on the land where the hotel sits. I looked up the address of his birthplace, and although it's not the same address as the hotel, it is very close, less than half a mile away. Yeah. And back then you didn't have as many structures, sure, so sure, sure. it would yeah. make sense that that land was all once part of the same property. Sivier said that his family had a private cemetery on their property when he lived there. But when construction began on the hotel, he was never informed of any bodies being moved. So he went down to the construction site to see if he could find any bones of his deceased family members. But he couldn't find anything. So it's his belief that they were moved without anyone's knowledge, uh, you know, without anyone being informed to who knows where. FYI, dead bodies don't like to be disturbed or moved. Yeah. Yeah. They just like to be where they are. (laughs) That was deep thoughts (laughs) by Matt. So there's the belief that the hauntings are related to that, but also... Milwaukee used to be home to the Potawatomi tribe before the U.S. government seized their land and forced them out. And I guarantee you there were plenty of Potawatomi buried there whose graves were disturbed as the area was built up. I don't know if moving bones around led to some hauntings, but it's Mm -hmm. not great either way. It's a good place to start. So one spooky story I found comes from former teen heartthrob actor Joey Lawrence. Back in 2006, he was on tour with Dancing with the Stars. They were going to 48 cities, and when he arrived in Milwaukee, they were about halfway through the tour. He and his wife at that time had just had a baby who was about six and a half months old. So Joey's wife and kid went with him on this tour. And when they pulled up to the Fister, his first impression was that it was beautiful, but creepy. And because he had his baby with him, they had they had all the baby gear, the bouncy seat, the portable high chair, toys, mm-hmm. all the gear. I feel like we have all that for Frankie, so I get yeah. it. Yeah. I don't people with kids out there are like, you don't get yeah. it. So he said the staff were all dressed like something out of clue, wearing top hats and very formal uniforms. I will say I didn't see a single person in a top hat when we checked in. The uniforms are rather formal, though. I but think. they just feel like regular hotel uniforms to me. But but most hotels don't require uniforms of, of that ilk anymore. So they they stood out to okay. me. Okay. They stood out to me. All right. So Joey Lawrence tells this story on the show Celebrity Ghost Stories. And based on the reenactment, it looks like he was staying in the old part of the hotel, like where mm-hmm. we are. And he said when they got to their room, it was large, but it didn't feel warm and comfy. They just felt something, they just felt strange being in there. But they started to get settled in. They set up all the baby gear. They get her bouncy seat set up, get her toys out just to try to keep her occupied. They get ready and head out to the venue for the Dancing with the Stars performance and didn't get back to the hotel until around midnight. Joey said the first thing he did was shower because... He'd just been sweating for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. His, wife's, his wife nursed their baby, rocked her to sleep, and eventually Joey and his wife fell asleep. So some time goes by, and all of a sudden, multiple toys started going off at once. Nope. Making noise, nope. lighting up. Not just one, multiple. One is playing music. One is glowing. And Joey was like, no, why? Why This is going to wake the baby. He's not thinking too much about it at that point. Mm-hmm. He's just like, why is this happening? Like, this is it's so loud. You're going to wake her up. The toys were next to a dresser near the bathroom. So he just jumps up. He walks over to it, turns the toys off. Unfortunately, their baby did wake up. So it took some time to get settled again. But eventually they fell back asleep. Some time passes and it happens again. The toys start lighting up, playing music. And these are not peaceful lullabies. Yeah. 
you know how these toys are. They're like, rah, 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 like they're clinking sounds and yeah. bells. The baby wakes up again. So Joey's wife is like, what is up? And he's like, don't worry. I got it. I got it. So he gets up again, turns off the toys, double checks that they are completely off, and just for good measure puts them in the bathroom. I guess he thought if they went off again, maybe it wouldn't be as loud if they were in the bath in the bathroom. Maybe the baby could sleep through it. So his baby and wife finally settle back to sleep, but Joey was having a hard time. His eyes were closed, but he's just laying there now. You know that feeling when like yeah. you're trying so hard yeah. to fall asleep that you can't. So after about an hour, he said it was around 2.30 in the morning, the bathroom light turned on. So he runs over, checks to make sure no one was in the bathroom. There was no one there. He's just like, what the hell? He turns off the light, and the toys start going off again. Oh, man. The lights, the music, the all the bells. Joey said something was not right in that room. He and his wife we're not into ghosts or the paranormal or anything like that. So their minds didn't immediately go there. Mm-hmm. He just said they felt strange being in there and his wife got a little scared. So needless to say, they weren't able to go back to sleep. The baby fortunately did. She got a little sleep, but Joey and his wife just stayed up all night. And then around six forty-five in the morning, their baby woke up and Joey and his wife were already ready to go. They were like, get us the fuck out of here. Yeah. And Joey actually went to speak to the front desk manager and was like, so what's the deal? Like, our baby's toys kept turning on, the bathroom light turned on, and the manager goes, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And Joey said, what do you mean? And the manager said, oh, well, you obviously don't know the history of this hotel. And Joey was like, do tell. The manager said that the guy who had built the hotel, presumably he was talking about Charles Pfister, but he doesn't Uh name any names. He just says the guy who built the hotel had forced his son into an arranged marriage. His son did not want to marry this woman. On their wedding nights, the bride mysteriously died. Her body was found at the bottom of an elevator shaft. Her death was ruled accidental, as though she had just fallen down the shaft. But the popular theory is that she was murdered by her new husband. That after all the party guests were sufficiently drunk and had gone to pass out in their rooms, the groom found his bride in the hallway and began strangling her, then managed to open the doors to the elevator and push her down the shaft. And the manager said to Joey, You have a baby, don't you? And Joey was like, yeah, and? And the manager said, the bride was pregnant when she was killed, and she tends to haunt rooms that have infants because she's envious of the life as a mother that she didn't get to have. Which would be really heartbreaking and spooky if it had ever happened. The story about the arranged marriage and the bride being killed, all of that was total bullshit. It's been debunked. No record was ever found of this marriage, of a woman being found at the bottom of the elevator shaft. Nothing. This manager was just fucking with him. Props to this manager just pulling out a whopper. But Joey completely bought it, and he was really freaked out, so he was ready to get out of there. And the thing is, when you know that that story has been debunked, and then you watch Joey Lawrence (laughs) on this show tell this story, he's so emotional about it, and you're just like, oh, man, he got you. Yeah, you got got. So Joey helps his wife and baby get back onto the tour bus, and then he had to go back up to the room to get their last two bags. In the room, there was a large picture window right across from the door, so kind of like ours is in here. Uh, right, uh, Different from ours, though, is that they had an air conditioning unit right underneath the window. And on the front of the unit, there were three big panels, each with a vent in the middle. So Joey gets the last of the luggage, and he turns to leave. But then, just sort of off the cuff, he turns back and says, Thanks for the scare. Goodbye, ghosts. Like Kind of in a mocking way. Mm-hmm. He describes it as defiant. Like, oh, you didn't get me, you know. And as soon as he said goodbye, ghosts, all three panels blew off of the air conditioning units and flew across the fucking room, like violently. 
he don't, said, don't mess with ghosts. You don't mess with Do ghosts. Do not insult ghosts. Ghosts, we are here to honor you. We are telling your stories. This we evening. are. I mean, we don't mind if you like pay us a little visit, just like a hey, like little spook spook. Yeah, maybe not. But maybe like, you don't though. need to like violently throw yeah. metal panels across the room. Joey said they didn't fall off; they blew off with force. He took that as a sign that someone wanted him to get out, and so he did. He was like, "See ya." He said it was a tremendous scare that he'll remember forever. So if the bride story was bogus, it still leaves us with the question of what was in that room. Yeah. Like what made the fucking lights come on, the toys come on. Joey Lawrence is not the only celebrity to have a ghostly experience at the Fister. Several Major League Baseball players, which I know you're interested in this. (laughs) let's do this. Let's get into it. They've claimed that they, too, have been haunted at the hotel. First of all, like the most superstitious athlete base you could have are are Major League Baseball players. So I'm here for this. So staying at a haunted hotel is maybe not their (laughs) favorite thing. Yeah. When opposing teams are in town to play the Brewers, they're often put up at the Fister because it's one of the nicest hotels in the city, Uh and it's a quick drive to the ballpark. The ghosts at the Fister definitely seem to be Brewers fans, however. (laughs) I love it. I love it already. Because they love to fuck with the visiting team. (laughs) But when Brewers players stay here, for the most part, like if they're playing at home but they don't have a a permanent residence Uh, in Milwaukee... They have a peaceful stay at the hotel. The ghosts tend to leave them alone. Love it. So we'll start with Bryce Harper. His experience is pretty wild. In a 2013 interview with Stacy Pressman of ESPN the magazine, Bryce recounted his stay at the Fister the previous summer, so back in 2012. While he was playing for the Washington Nationals, he was getting ready to go to bed and laid out his clothes for the following morning. He says, quote, I laid a pair of jeans and a shirt on that table at the foot of the bed. Those things in hotels that you sit on to put on your shoes. (laughs) First of all, Bryce, it's a bench. You don't sit on a table to put on your shoes. (laughs) We have a bench at the end of our bed. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the bench. Yeah. Which is, it's a substantial bench. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's heavy, but it's not a table. Uh, He says, quote, I just laid them out. Simple as that. When I woke up in the morning... I swear on everything, the clothes were on the floor, and the table, slash bench, was on the opposite side of the room against the wall. Whoa. I was so flustered. I honestly thought there might be someone in my room. I had no idea what the hell just happened, so I actually looked around, and then I checked to see if the door was still latched. And it was. Like the chain you latch so Uh no one can get in. So he's still thinking maybe one of his teammates were playing a prank on him. But he asked them, and they all said, no, we didn't do anything like that. Plus, no one would have been able to get that chain yeah. unlatched and then left and relatched it. Like, you can't do that. We're talking about baseball yeah. players' forearms here. Like, they can't <laughs> – their arm wouldn't fit uh-huh. to do that. Bryce said, it really creeped me out. I went downstairs and changed my room immediately. Different room, different floor. I said, I just need to get out of that room. I don't want to talk about it. I just need to get out. (laughs) So they moved me to a higher floor. Pablo Sandoval shared a story from his stay at the Fister in 2009 when he was playing for the San Francisco Giants. He said, I don't like the ghosts there. I went to take a shower and I remember putting my iPod next to a speaker. When I came out, it was playing music. I have no idea why. I left the hotel after that. I didn't want to stay there. In 2010, me and Edgar Renteria stayed down the street and paid for it on our own. Then I decided to stay there again. I asked myself, why do I have to be afraid? (laughs) Oh, oh, I love him. I love Pablo Sandoval. Why do I have to? That sounds like a song. Why do I have to be afraid of the ghost at the Fister Hotel? He said the only thing I asked the ghost was to let me sleep, and they did. You just got to talk to them. You just got That's the thing. Everyone, just be friends with ghosts. Just say like, just, hey. Hey. We're not here to I harm. I acknowledge you. Yes. Yeah. In 2008, Carlos Gomez said he'd heard voices in his room on multiple occasions. But his worst experience was when he got out of the shower and heard static playing on his iPod. 
which had been turned off. So he grabbed it and it switched to another song. And then a few seconds later, it switched again. Weird. Carlos ran out of the room and down to the lobby before he even got dressed. He had no pants or shoes on. He was just like, fuck this. He said, I'm scared to go there. They should change the hotel. Everything's scary. Everything in the hotel. The paintings and pictures. It's a lot of old, crazy stuff. No good, man. No good. <laughs> if you're 22 and you're, you're you know, staying in a place that, has a reputation like that and <laughs> i don't know where i'm going with this but <laughs> man i love it i just love these i'm here for it of superstitious young men <laughs> and the brewers visiting clubhouse manager you might i don't know if you know his name you might have to help me with the pronunciation phil rosowitz Ro- i don't know rosowitz. Phil rosowitz he's he's still the manager okay. he has been for a long time said he's heard it all from players who've been spooked by the fister ghost And he shared a story of a rookie player. He doesn't name him, I think, because he might still be playing. Uh He said the player was in his room. He'd gone to bed for the night, but woke up in the middle of the night and saw that his blinds and window were opened. Uh, What? He did not open these. So this player starts to panic. And when you wake up in the middle of the night, like, you don't know what the heck is going on. It takes you a second to get your Uh bearing. So he was probably like, am I dreaming? So he goes into the bathroom, splashes some water on his face, comes back out, closes the window, shuts the blinds, and he goes back to bed. He did manage to go back to sleep, and when he woke up the next morning, the blinds and window were open. Oh, hell no. He left and refused to go into his room after that, and the next night, he actually slept on the couch in the hotel lobby. (gasps) Finally, he ended up going up the street to a Motel 6 and stayed there. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. That's super <laughs> weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if like suddenly, because these are yeah. massive windows and yeah. like the blinds, I mean, it's the curtains. Like no, they have that rod you have to pull, you know? It's effort. It's effort to move a window like that. A lot of players won't stay at the Fister unless they room with someone. And some have even admitted to sleeping with their baseball bat for protection. But not all MLB players are afraid of the ghost. And this story is one that I wish I'd known about ahead of time, but I just read this. G-Man Choi, am I saying that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Who we rode down in the elevator with. Yeah. Said he's had multiple ghost encounters at this hotel. He said he was scared at first, but now he feels comfortable when ghosts are present. His first encounter occurred in 2016 was when he was in Milwaukee playing for the Angels. He said a misty spirit hovered over his bed as he was trying to fall asleep. He said another time a spirit whispered something in his ear as he was dozing off. He doesn't say what the spirit whispered, though. And another time he was lying on his side and felt a spirit crawl up behind him and give him a hug. Oh, the ghost was spooning him. Spooning him. I wish, I wish I'd known this oh, story when we gosh. were on that elevator because yeah. I'd have been like, yeah. Hey, did you have any ghost experiences? I will say he seemed very comfortable. <laughs> he he did. He was very he was very pleasant. Had yeah. a cute little smile on his face. Uh-huh. There are a lot more stories like this one from baseball players. I encourage you to look them up because some of them are pretty funny when you remember that these are grown yeah. ass men. <laughs> and, oh, it delights me. And then this story me. felt appropriate because at the time that. We released this episode. We're going to be smack in the middle of Summerfest in Milwaukee. Back in 2021, Megan the Stallion was headlining Summerfest and her staff booked her stay at the Fister, which was all fine and well until someone informed her it was the most haunted hotel in Milwaukee <laughs> and one of the most haunted in the country. So she asked one of her crew to do some research, see what they could find out. I don't know what just fell, but sorry, everybody. Uh, And they start telling her about the noises people hear and how some have discovered that their stuff has been moved around, like Bryce Harper's experience. And Megan said that she was in her suite and had closed the bedroom door. Her room was just like ours with the door Uh separating that front area in the bedroom. And she said she heard what sounded like someone in that front room moving her stuff around. So she goes, checks it out, but no one was there. Goes back into the bedroom, closes the door again, and she hears it again. She checks again. No one was there. So then she's in the bathroom, and she hears it again. And she thought, you know, maybe it's coming from above. 
Is is that what she, well, that's what she's told herself. And she kind of brushed it mm-hmm. off. It was not coming from above. You know the difference between someone being right outside your bedroom door versus the floor above yeah. you. I think she was just telling herself that to make herself feel better. And she asked the crew member that booked their stay, why the fuck would you put us up at this hotel? <laughs> and he says, the ghosts aren't going to bother you unless you have bad vibes. So as long as you, as you have good vibes, the ghosts are friendly, which I do believe that. And then Megan says, well, then some of you bitches will be fucked in here. <laughs> it's amazing. So they do a little exploring of the hotel and film it. I'm going to post the link to their video. They put it on social media. It is so funny. I <laughs> can't wait. And after running around the, ho- the, ho- the halls for a bit, sorry, to see if they can find anything, Megan says, quote, I haven't seen anything. I don't want to see anything. Bitch, I don't know how I wound up here, but I will not be that black girl in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) She's amazing. Oh, well. (laughs) You have to watch her video. It is so good. They do some exploring on the second floor because a lot of people claim that they've seen the ghost of Charles Fister himself roaming the halls, kind of checking on things at his hotel. And the grand staircase on the second floor is said to be really haunted, with the second floor in general being the most haunted floor, reportedly. So, I think we need to go check out that second floor. Let's do it. We're going to do some exploring and maybe take some videos. I don't know how those are going to turn out. Um, Just to see what we can find and see if we can run into Charles Pister himself. So, we'll let you know what happens. We're back. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, in- some interesting things we in were, the night. We were visited by some spirits. But first, let's talk about our little tour yeah. that we did. Actually, let's back up even further and let's talk about our room itself because I don't think I mentioned this last night when we were on. We we started to. Okay. I don't know that we got into it. We might have done it on the first recording before the ghost decided <laughs> not to record half of that. And so we might have forgotten on the second one. But when we walked into our room last night, which again is gorgeous and amazing, good job, Fister, uh, it was absolutely freezing. Like there was no heat, even though it's in the middle of June and it was hot yesterday. So I'm not sure why mm-hmm. the room was so <laughs> cold. It was, it was like an ice locker. And I am I run hot. So for me to say it was freezing, it was freezing. It was freezing. And so we turned the heat on, actually, because it was that cold. There is a thermostat in the bedroom and a thermostat in our little entry room. Yeah, um, like the... The like office suites yeah. portion of it. There's two rooms, people. That's how big it is. And so the bedroom was fine. It, I felt warm. It was fine. It was a little chilly in the night, but it wasn't too bad. That front room, though, freezing. Mm-hmm. That heat, even though it said it was on like 70 or 72 or whatever, no, no. It was so cold. It was so cold this morning. Like, literally, they are connected and... You walk into one room, you're fine, everything's mm-hmm. great. You take one step through the doorway, and it is an ice box. Yeah, it's it's easily like a 15 to 20 degree drop in it's temperature. It's so cold. It's really cold. And so if you're to believe the sixth sense, it means there's, there's a ghost. ghost. <laughs> uh, so we did a little walking tour last night. We checked out the second floor. I did a little video on my iPhone, but I don't think it was great. So I don't know that I'm going to post that, but the second floor is supposed to be like super haunted. Yep. I believe it. And Charles Fister, people say that they've seen him at the top of the staircase on the second floor. Cause there is this grand staircase leading from the lobby up. And so people have claimed to see him. I didn't see him. I was hoping he would say, Hey, he didn't, he didn't show up last night, but that second floor the lighting is different mm-hmm. than the other floors. It's like, I would say it's warmer lighting, but the coloring is different of the of the doors and the hall. It's like kind of red. Yeah, if if I was telling a production designer like I need to make a space look haunted, uh, <laughs> I would I would point them here. Just say go to the Fister yeah, to, the, to second the second floor. Go to the second floor of the Fister. Lighting, 
uh, lighting fixtures. It looks like the fucking shining. Yeah, it really does. Like I, when you look at the end of that, it's like towards the end of the hallway, there was mm-hmm. it was completely empty. It was so terrifying. She's like the door. The doors are even a little scary because they're um, they're red. They're well on that floor. They're red, but they the the shape of them is what I was talking about or thinking about. Um, they're convex. That we have that too. That's yeah. on all the floors, but I think the color just makes it they're, odd. They, they feel like the top of a coffin. Oh fuck! I didn't think about that. <laughs> that. I mean, that's what they look like. They look like the top of a coffin. Well, this went to a different place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we did our little walking tour. Got some delicious fruit-infused water. Blueberry, lavender, lemon. Highly recommend. It's great. <laughs> um, if you're was, looking for ghosts, get yourself some blueberry-infused water. There was. You sounded like Phil Hartman when you just did that. Oh, cool. Uh, there was a wedding taking place. So there's the Imperial Ballroom, which I didn't really talk about in the history part, but it's been, it's hosted events for decades. People often get married there. They have receptions there. And there was definitely one happening last night, which I had to restrain Matt from going in. I wanted to go in. I wanted to see the ballroom. I was like, babe, there's an actual wedding taking place. They wouldn't care. They were dressed up. You had on (laughs) jeans. You had just come from a baseball game. Uh, Yeah. They were starting to look at us weird because he's he's lingering. Matt's lingering over there. I just wanted to see what the ballroom looked like. Uh, but we might be able to check it out yeah, before we head we're out. We're going to go there. <laughs> um, so, you know, the tour that we, our little exploring that we did, I mean, it wasn't like an official tour. We just walked around. But, you know, the second floor is creepy, but I wouldn't say I felt strange or no. like any ghostly experiences there. So we come back to the room. Oh, we're, side, sidebar. There's side, side my sidebar. Again. I think the coolest thing on the second floor was the Thanksgiving menu they had. From 1899. From 1899. That was they cool. They had the Thanksgiving menu, which was really cool to see. Yeah, they have a lot of, they have old room keys, like back before, you know, yeah. digital. So they have like the actual key with the room number it went to. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that was cool. They had a, a guest registry book. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- I think that one was from 1909. So you can just like see where people signed in. That stuff's cool. Uh, so we come back to the room last night. We both take showers. We're exhausted. It was a long day. And we... Did you see the lights just flicker? No, I was looking down. Uh, they just flickered. Okay. Well, I will say this. The ghosts have been super kind to us. They have been. Um maybe they're just trying to give us a little warning that it's close to checkout time. They're like, (laughs) hey, wrap it up. So we go to bed last night and Matt falls asleep within like five minutes and it kind of drives me crazy because it takes me forever to fall asleep. And so I get a little jealous. We'd been laying down for all of five minutes and all of a sudden I heard something fall and it fell onto a hard floor like it wasn't on carpet and both rooms are carpeted the only area that isn't is the bathroom which is kind of where it sounded like it was coming from Mm -hmm. it was either there or the table where the coffee machine is but it felt like it was like it sounded like it was coming from the bathroom and it was enough for me to sit up in bed and go what was that and I looked over at you and you were out and I was just like oh (laughs) fuck it's just me in here It was a little creepy, but I was, you know, I was just trying to be like, okay, maybe like my belt fell off the table in the bathroom because I had put my clothes on that little table. No, we checked it out this morning. Nothing Nothing had fallen. But then a little later after I heard that on the bathroom floor. Yeah. So I got up at about 2.30 to go to the bathroom. I come back. I'm getting into bed and I'm kind of falling back asleep. When suddenly there is a pounding noise, a banging, it's like, like a banging. It, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and replicate it right now. Was that wasn't even. That was like so subtle yeah, compared was, to what that, it was. Yeah, it, it was louder than that. It was, it was kind about of like, that length, though. It was kind of like when our clothes dryer, like, yeah. kind of gets, Get, off gets off center, and it just uh-huh. goes like, bah, 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 bah. yeah. It it was in the corner of the bedroom. It was intense. And we both heard it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did you hear that? And, and I said, yes. And, and then, then we, we fell asleep. Went back to sleep. 
was like, cool, cool, thank you, Ghost. I, I really well, wanted something. I didn't go. I, I I was unnerved by it because it was loud. It was definitive. You heard it. It woke you up. I was kind of already still awake, and then I had trouble going back to sleep for the rest of the night because I it, yeah I didn't sleep well at all. It was weird. What's weird is that so the Joey Lawrence story. It was two thirty in the morning when the bathroom lights came on for him mm. and the toys went off. And you just said it was two thirty when you got it, up. It was about then, yeah. So that's interesting, but yeah, the banging was real. So then when I woke up this morning, I was like, "Wait, did I make that up? Did I hear that?" Like I couldn't decide if it was in my mind. And so then Matt goes, "Well, you got your wish." I said, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "We're still kind of groggy." He said, "The ghost." And I said, okay, what did you hear? <laughs> and he's like, the banging. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's what I heard. I just want to make sure. Yeah. It was wild. And it definitely wasn't like coming from another room. No, it was very weird. It, it like it sounded like it was in the upper corner, kind of by the window, but not outside. Yeah, it wasn't outside. Um, Here's what I think. Because when we came in yesterday, I greeted the ghost. I was like, yeah. hey, ghosts, we're here. We're friendly. We come in peace. Like, we don't want to harm you. We don't want harm done to us. But I am trying to do this podcast episode. <laughs> so if you could just, like, give us a little something. And the ghost was like, I got you. Ghost was down to play. Yeah. I mean, they fucked with our first recording. They were, oh, they and were I. DTH. And I. Down to haunt. <laughs> <laughs> I just. That's free. That's free. Okay. <laughs> so anyone who wants that, feel yep. free. Yep. That's on the t-shirt. That's the t-shirt for horror. DTH. People are going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Da tooth. Down to home. What's da tooth? <laughs> um, so I plugged my phone in last night to the uh, outlet, which the outlet works because it's the same one for the lamp, which works. Phone didn't charge. Yeah. I woke up this morning. There was no charge. My my phone charged fine. Well, pin a rose on your nose. Yeah. So, all this to say, ghosts are real. <laughs> They're here at the Fister. <laughs> That's the conclusion. Um, ghosts are real. They paid us a visit, and they were very friendly. But I do want to read this quote from uh, Hotel Management. This was from 10 years ago for the when it was a, the 120th anniversary, because the building is now 130 years old. And for the 120th, I guess they wanted a statement from the hotel about the ghosts. Like, tell us about the hauntings. Mm -hmm. And their response was, and this was on a Twitter post, the only thing haunting us here is the spirit of hospitality, and it's been here for 120 years. <laughs> they do not comment on the ghosts. Yeah. As yeah. far as they're concerned, there are no ghosts. They don't say anything about it. If you ask them, there's like, nope, no ghosts. But there are ghosts. There's full of ghosts and full we got ghosts. to experience them yeah. i was really excited about it and so yeah 10 out of 10 fister hotel definitely recommend would stay here again <laughs> and that is the story on yeah. location of the fister in milwaukee wisconsin baby well done well done thank you ghosts thank you ghosts and thank you matt for coming up with this idea to stay here this you're, is super fun you're very welcome it was a great time um, I would I would come back to the Hotel Fister. I will say I had heard that they have amazing chocolates that they leave on the mm -hmm. pillows at night. Miley Cyrus actually has a pretty funny video where she's being interviewed and she just goes on and on and on about the most amazing chocolates at the Fister that were left on the pillow. And so I come in last night and I'm like, oh, there's no chocolate. So this concierge sends us like an email or whatever, like, hey, let us know if there's anything that can make your stay better. And we were like, what about those chocolates? <laughs> and unfortunately, they don't do those anymore. Yeah. So it's a good thing I have that French silk pie from the restaurant because <laughs> it yeah, was The great. French silk pie was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So I think now we might go explore Milwaukee, maybe get some brunch, yeah. something like that. Uh, and if you've ever been to the Fister, if you have any of your own stories, please tell us. You can leave that comment on our Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Horrorwood Podcast. 
Or you can send us an email at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. At I only, gmail.com. I only said that because I wasn't sure if you remembered yeah, what it I was. I remembered that part. Okay. And um, if you are feeling so inclined and want to jump over to our Patreon and you sign up on the Misfit Murderino tier before October 1st, you're going to get a little fall treat package from Horrorwood. So you can do that at patreon.com slash forward slash Horrorwood podcast. Did I get it? Sure. And <laughs> but make sure you sign up before Dang. October 1st because that's the only way that you're going to get the the gift package and I'm putting together like a few little goodies. Uh and again, it's for the Misfit Murderino tier, which is our $5 a month tier. You can still sign up as an accomplice, which is our $2 a month tier, but you don't get the gift package mm. with that. But that's okay. And let me tell you people, Kate is a very good gift giver. She's going to put together Oh my gosh, thank you. She's going to put together a little package of some treats that you're going to want to have. I mean, I don't want to hype it up too much cuz I don't want people to be like, "Oh, this isn't." No, but it's going to be good. <laughs> I hope so. It's going to be good. All right. Well, let's uh we're going to thank the ghosts. We're going to pack up mm-hmm. and we're going to peace out. Peace.